God called the Apostle Paul to go on mission. In Acts chapter 13, if you turn your Bibles to the book of Acts, we'll actually be in Acts chapter 16 for the majority of our time, but as you are turning there in Acts chapter 13, it describes a special calling that's been placed on the life of, of Paul. And, and the church sent him across cultures to preach and teach the Word of God, much like you see with our missionaries here today. And by the leading of God's Spirit, Paul left for strategic cities throughout the Roman Empire, and he would preach to the Jews in the synagogues. He would preach to the Gentiles in the marketplaces. And his message was the same message that we preach here at Lindsay Lane every single Sunday and Wednesday. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, that this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. Acts chapter 16 brings us to the second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. And before we look to the scripture today, it's very important for us to understand who this missionary is and maybe who this missionary was. You see, the Apostle Paul gave the second half of his entire life towards the work of God. The first half was used largely to destroy the church. The second half was used to disciple the church. So that asked the question of what changed? What changed in this man's life who was dragging Christians out of their homes to be beaten unto death to now where he is going into homes to charge churches? How did he go from someone to avoid and go the other way to someone that the churches looked forward to seeing again and again? Well, his behavior didn't change. His belief changed. Amen? Belief leads to behavior. And when Paul believed away from himself and his tradition, and he believed Jesus to be the way, the truth, and the life, when he believed Jesus to be God's endorsement of salvation, to be king of kings and lord of lords, his purpose changed. His life changed when his belief changed. His meanness gave way to righteousness. His violence gave way to ministry. And this is not born out of an informative belief. Hear this, church, this morning. This is not born out of a belief where he just agreed. It was born out of a transformative belief. Faith in Jesus, saving faith, is not simply believing about God. That's only a mental agreement. It's about believing into God. This is a personal trust, a yielding of the personal will. Would you agree with me this morning that a balanced diet and regular exercise are keys to a healthy lifestyle? No. I think it's because you know where I'm going. See, one belief is a mental agreement. Absolutely, that's the truth. But another is a submission of the will. You can believe that, uh, that diet and exercise are the keys to a healthy lifestyle. You can believe that as a mental agreement and yet never substitute water for a sun drop or a salad for a crispito. You can agree mentally upon exercise without ever walking a mile. But biblical belief is not just an agreement of the mind. It's a confiding trust. It's a yielding of the will. James chapter 2 teaches that biblical belief is the kind where you agree with and what you do, those work together. What you agree with and what follows in your hands and feet and mouth and heart and outward movement, those things agree together. And we said it last week, and it bears repeating, a real conversion is transformative. It changes your life. There's no way that the Spirit of God comes into your life and things don't change. 
In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul said, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body, watch this, by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My old life is gone, my new life has come, and I live in the new life by trusting the Son of God. Paul went from mobster to missionary because he stopped living for himself and he started trusting that God's way is better. Amen? That is real salvation. To live for yourself only condemns yourself. To trust God with your life saves our lives. And what followed was a changed life. A life where the values changed, the direction changed. Stopped asking the question of what do I want to be when I grow up and started asking the question, God, what is it you would have me to do with today and the rest of my tomorrows? Have you come today to this church at this time in your life because you need change? I know that a number of people come to church on Sunday morning. They still come to church on Sunday morning or watch church through the screens because they are missing something. They need a change in their life and they can't put their finger on it. They need a change for their family. They need a change for themselves personally. Maybe you've been trying to do your best, but your best is not good enough. And maybe you found out this week you're not trying at all. But you realize that something needs to get better or it's going to get worse. And the scripture says plainly to us in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not depend upon your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. He will make crooked paths straight, is what the scripture says. That's what God does. God changes. And that's straight from the scripture. If you think today I've come because I know that I need a change, then you need God in your life. I don't know how much plainer I can make it. The old you needs to die and the new life needs to begin as you trust in Jesus for your Savior and your Lord as the Spirit of God comes into your life to produce change from the inside to the outside. Paul's life was changed. And God flipped him from mobster to missionary. And he began to win people for Jesus. The Bible says as a chosen instrument of God. A chosen instrument of God to the Gentiles and to the Jews and to the kings is what the Bible says in Acts chapter 9 verse 15. So I don't believe that God saves any of us just so that we can bask in the glory of forgiveness. Did you hear that? I don't think God just, just forgives us so that we can just live in forgiveness and enjoy it, but not extend it to others. We too become the instruments of God, church. We become those things that God is using for his glory and the good of man throughout the world. We become the witnesses. We become the workmanship of God. Newly purposed to work for the reconciliation of lost people to a holy and righteous God. To tell them how that gap is closed through faith in Jesus Christ. Now let me say this. As some of us get nervous to even think about what the preacher's going to say on a day when missionaries are here. We get nervous to think that God would change us and move us away from what we know and what we love. As we continue to think about that and, and, and even experience the feels of what could be and worry begins to enter our heart, God may not call you to the mission field. Just hear me. He may keep you right where you are. Now, some of you that are breathing a sigh of relief, don't tell God what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. Amen? You don't belong to yourself anymore. 
But as we think about what God would, would do with us, God may not call you to the mission field. He may keep you just where you are at your work, at your place of business, in your community. He may keep you right where you are in your neighborhood. In fact, in Acts chapter 13, there were five prophets and teachers there, and only two of the five were called away from Antioch of Syria to the mission field, Paul and Barnabas. So will God completely change what you are doing if you sell out and buy in to the will of God over your life? Maybe or maybe not, but I will tell you the truth. He will most definitely change why you are doing it. Whatever you do, if God keeps you there, God will change your why as to the way that you work and for what reason. He will change the why as to where you live in your neighborhood and for what reason. He will change your why according to everything. And on this day where we are honoring our featured missionary partners, there is no better time to remind us all that until Jesus returns, he will still be calling people to ministry. He will still be drawing people to himself, changing them for the glory of God, raising them up, and sending them out for his glory. Still gifting the church with leaders. Now listen to me this morning. If you're a young person or old person and God's been working on you for a while about what you should do with your life, even considering a call to ministry, today's the day. Listen to the word of God. Every Christian has the call to work for the glory of God and the good of man. Every Christian has the call to good works. Every Christian has the call to make disciples. Parents, if you think to yourself, I know what my mission in this life is. My mission in this life is those children. Your mission to this in this life doesn't belong to what you think it is. It belongs to what God says it is. If your mission in your life in part is your children, you better be making disciples out of those children. I didn't get enough out of that one. Is that because it's sobering to think about that we're taking them to practice, we're taking them to school, we're taking them to eat, and oh yeah, we're going to drop them off here and let y'all do that part. No, sir. We supplement what the home does. Amen? Every Christian has been called to work for the glory of God. Good of man. But to some, now listen to this, but to some... God is calling to special work. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, that's the way that the Scripture says when they called Paul and Barnabas out to send on a missionary journey. God had called them to a special work, a calling of ministry. And today's invitation, if you need a change in your life and it starts with God, you need God to take you over and to save you and clean you up. You come on down here at the end of the service. You just say very few simple words. I need to be saved. I need to be changed. Let us help you from there. But a calling today to you and on your life very much couldn't be that you've been saved and you are seeking God. You need to respond to a call to ministry. God has been working on your heart towards doing something special for him and you cannot deny it, even though that you try. Today's invitation is certainly for those who want to be saved. It always is. But it's also for those who are ready to serve. Well, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> but how do I know if God is calling me to ministry? How do I know if this is actually real in my life? I want you to look at Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. The scripture says, Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. 
His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. And Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. Paul's second missionary journey took him back to the Christian communities of the church plants that have already happened. He goes back to strengthen those churches that are already there. This is around what is now modern-day Turkey. And during one of those stops, Paul and Silas pick up a campus intern. A young man that is having reputable faith that is exploring a call to ministry. Even as I say that, I, there are names of interns that have gone through Lindsay Lane East, Lindsay Lane Main, who are now serving full-time in ministry today, preaching in pulpits today. How do you know if God is working on you towards ministry? How do you know if God is working on you towards missions? As you've seen before you, that the missionaries before you are all age ranges and systems are in different places of life with their families. How do you know if God is calling you towards a call towards missions or ministry? Well, consider this from what we just read. Timothy had a Christian history. It's likely that Timothy believed in Jesus and began to follow him as a result of Paul's first missionary journey. He was taught the Holy Scriptures since childhood. That's what the Bible says in 2 Timothy. The Bible says that they were, he was given the wisdom to receive salvation, by, to, to trust unto Jesus through the wisdom that the Scripture presents. Parents, I think one of the best things we can do for our children is just read the Bible to them. As it says here that Timothy, that his grandmother and mother was reading the scriptures to them, to him, and it gave him the wisdom to receive salvation. He had a Christian history. Acts chapter 16, verse 1, called him a young disciple. Timothy had a, a testimony. He had a working knowledge of God's word. Do you hear me? He was saved up and raised up. And he was becoming into his own. A history of faith that is becoming a personal faith. Y'all listen, if you've got a desire to do something big for God, I believe you'll have a big desire for his word. Don't tell me that you want to do big things for God, but you don't have a, an aptitude or you don't have an appetite for God's word. Not going to work. Amen? And so he began to dive in and learn the truth and live out his testimony. He had a Christian history. That's the first step towards Christian ministry. But what next you see is he also had the confirmation of the church. The church recognized his gifts. A reputation amongst them is what the scripture says. Timothy was well thought of by the believers. That's what it says there in verse 2. Acts says he was well thought of. He didn't just have a desire for ministry. He had gifts for ministry. How do you know? He used them in the church, and the church spoke to those. The church confirmed it. That's one of the ways that God confirms ministry and a call to ministry. Even in my own life, I remember in the universal church, meaning the people outside the local church and in the local church, there were people speaking into my life throughout the years going, if God calls, you better answer it. The same thing is happening in the life of every church as God is equipping his church for years and years to come. You may be eight years old in here. You may be 80 years old. I talked to a guy yesterday that told me he became a lawyer in his 50s. God can't call you to ministry where you are now. If God is calling you, it begins with him calling you to himself first. And second, as you use your gifts in the church, God develops those and the church confirms that you've got the ability and the gifting to keep on doing that either here or somewhere else. The third thing that you see is he had a ministry opportunity. 
Paul said, you know what, man? I think you ought to go with us. Timothy didn't go rogue and start his own ministry. He didn't start, you know, this is Timothy's ministries. He didn't start those things. He had an opportunity that God presented in front of him. He had an opportunity towards a mission trip and he joined Paul. Now, some of y'all go, I'm not gonna go on a mission trip. You don't know what's gonna happen. That's why you go on a mission trip. You know, I haven't met a missionary yet that's like, I shouldn't have gone. We shouldn't have done it. I'm serious about that. I haven't met one mid. Now, some of y'all may say, well, I can introduce you to some people. But I haven't met anybody that we've partnered with over the long haul that has gone, nah, we're getting out of it, man. It ain't for us. They had a desire for ministry. Timothy has a ministry opportunity before him. He goes on this mission trip with the apostle Paul. And that's important because when the opportunity is in front of you, you take it. Amen? You take it. And he began to learn. And the scripture says he became Paul's son in the faith in 1 Corinthians and in 1 Timothy. Is God calling me to ministry? Do you have a Christian history? Is the church confirming your gifts as you serve in the church? Is there a ministry opportunity that you've taken advantage of, all coupled with you praying and the desire to go for the glory of God? Listen, don't suppress what God's spirit is starting within you. If God is beginning to speak to your heart and giving you gifts and desires to do something for his glory, don't turn the volume down on that. Over the years, I know I've shared this before, over the years, there have been times when I've called my dad on his cell phone and, and on more than one occasion, he's answered it and he'll answer it like this. Why are you calling me? I'm in a meeting. And so I say, why are you answering if you're in a meeting? Right? And seriously, he go, well, it rang. And I'm like, well, put it on silent. It's personal responsibility. This is me telling my dad these things. Fear and trembling. Listen, there, there is no actual ringtone to the call of God. It's by faith, amen? There's no actual ringtone to the call of God, but I do believe we can put it on silent. Oh, no? What about Jonah? Jonah didn't hit that silence button? Nah, I'm not even going to take that call. Started going different places. In some of the chaplaincy ministry that we do with football teams and the like around the community, I've shared this before, but I remember standing beside a young man on a football field right around this community, talking with him about ministry. He said, you know what? I thought about going into ministry. I said, man, that's great. And the next thing he said was, but there ain't any money in it. Now, you tell me what that is. Call silenced. Not too long ago, I'm standing on a football field in a nearby community here as we're doing campus ministry. Standing there, and a young man says, I go to church. He told me where the church is he goes to. He said, they're going to give me an opportunity to speak to the children's ministry, and I think I'm going to take it. Call answered. I don't know about the ringtone, but I know you can silence that thing. I am serious business. I am a product of sitting through preaching when I was a kid and hearing pastor after pastor stand before the congregation and talk about how they ran from God just like Jonah. And I told myself then, I said, if God calls me, I'm going to answer it. Because I've heard from enough guys up in front, of, in front of me that have talked about how miserable their life was until God gave them a call and they yielded to it. Don't suppress what God's spirit is starting to grow in your life. Even now, as you think about it, I'm serious. I, I know today we've got people that are older and young adults and we've got, there are children in here today where God is already planting seeds of ministry in your heart. 
Parents, don't suppress that. If they'd rather go to a mission trip than go to a ball field, then let them go. Maybe you have a desire for ministry. Maybe you don't have a desire, but there's something there and you cannot deny it. I'd ask you today to be so bold as to respond at the end of this service and walk forward just saying this. I think I'm being called to ministry. Let's talk about it. You know that we have people on staff here at Lindsay Lane. And I'll share this. Katie White, who is a leader, and many of you know Katie. Katie being part of our, our ministry of assimilation, our connections director here at Lindsay Lane. We were working together at a, at a student conference and we're hearing a guy preach a sermon very much like this one, giving a call to ministry at a student ministry conference in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And he said, hey, if God's calling you today, why don't you just stand up? And I look up, and Katie White has stood up. She is to her feet. She's been serving in this church ever since. A call, and, and some, hey, and if you know Katie White, glory to God and thank God that she responded. Amen? See, there are others like that on our staff where, where God had, had saved them. There was a time when Brother Sonny Schofield was going to give a suit to Greg Wise, and Greg was like, I can't wear it now, but I may wear it later because God's working on me. Isn't that right? You see, don't suppress what God's Spirit is doing in your life. He may just use you in ministry for the long haul. Maybe the second half of your life will be given over to it. Maybe you're there. Maybe you're not there. Just don't silence your phone. Amen? Now, Acts chapter 16, verses 4 and 5, we're going to quickly move on. Acts chapter 16, verses 4 and 5, then they went from town to town, instructing believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Not every time does a missionary go to start a church there are many times when a missionary goes to strengthen a church. And this is what is happening here in Acts chapter 16. Now, what I don't want to miss is verse 3. Verse 3 says, So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Now, we could go into a lot of discussion and a lot of teaching on this point. Let me just quickly move through this. The decision of the Jerusalem conference in the 15th chapter, right before the 16th, in the decision that they made, the decision was made by the apostles and the elders, which the apostle Paul was a part of. The conclusion was this. There are some things we're going to ask you to do to be obedient unto God, but you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. That is the actual teaching and what they are taking to the churches. Now, wait a minute, because I thought you just told us in verse 3 that Timothy, before he left, was circumcised before he went to the mission field. Are you telling me that he didn't have to do that because, hey, I'm on board for that? <laughs> no, he did not have to be. But while on the field... He would be working with both Jews and Gentiles in the churches, in the marketplaces. And circumcision carried with it Old Testament significance, which was important to Jews that were still learning about the truth of God. So rather than cause confusion and rather than offend them, he made a self-sacrificial decision and was circumcised so it would make him that much more effective in ministry. 
What I'm telling you is that he made a mature decision not to inflame the immaturity of those he was trying to reach. Now, quickly before we move to the rest of the message, let me ask you this question before we move on. Do you really want to keep denying a call to ministry because you want to keep hanging on to that one thing? Do you really want to suppress what God is doing in your life that he can do over and above what you could even ask or think because that one thing that you hold on to so tightly, you won't let it go and you'll take a principled stand on it before you actually be obedient to the point of where God has been trying to call you for years and years. Acts chapter 16. And maybe you're thinking before we move on, maybe you're thinking, goodness, he's not calling me to that. That's exactly the point. Think about the self-sacrifice that he made, the pain endured to minister effectively for the good news. Acts chapter 16, verses six through eight. Next, Paul and Silas desired to travel further into Asia, but twice God steered them in another direction. Look there at verse six. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Verse seven, then coming to the borders of Mycenae, again, we've mentioned this before, that sometimes I don't know exactly how to pronounce them, but you don't either, so we roll on. They headed north for the province of Bithynia, but again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Verse eight, so instead, they went on through Mycenae to the seaport of Troas. So twice, God's Spirit prevented where Paul wanted to go. He must have been a little bit deflated. I thought we were going here. Now, we're not told how the Spirit of God gave them a no, but we know that he did. And later on, God's Spirit reached those places that he wanted to go, and he sent people there. But at this time, God just had a different plan for where the gospel should go. It's here that we understand that the Lord is personally involved in sending God is personally involved in sending. There's a time in all of our lives that have responded to a call to ministry where it was clear what God wanted us to do. It was here that God turned the direction of the good news from Asia west towards Europe. Now, what a place for us to be reminded that we are not reconciled unto God and then placed back in a box until heaven. No, as God's Spirit is in us and directs us, we are to be his witnesses here, there, and everywhere, according to Acts chapter 1. We are to be what? We are to be his living proof of God's truth and grace and the good news everywhere we are and everywhere that God would send us. And that may mean that you go across the street. We had a prayer request come in this, this morning from a faithful family at our church where they have been ministering through the hook of cooking at their home. And now God's Spirit is working through that family to minister to someone who is lost and does not believe the truth. It may be that God is calling us across the street, across the country, around the world, either to do, to do what? To strengthen a church or to start a church to minister to those who need ministry or to witness to those who need salvation. The first leg of his second missionary journey was to strengthen a church. The second one was to start a church. Paul and Barnabas moved from the church at Antioch of Syria for special work. And three others apparently stayed there to teach the church. And we asked the question, why does God move us? 
Why does God move on our hearts to do something outside of ourselves that we never thought that we would be involved in before? Look at Acts chapter 16, verse nine. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia and northern Greece was standing there pleading with him. Come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Paul, Silas, and Luke, who is the author of Acts, they all moved together towards Macedonia by the leading of God. Why does God move us? Because people need help. It's really that simple. It's really that serious. Why does God move us? Because people need help. God uses his people to reach people who need help. People who are your neighbors, people who you've never met, people across the street, people across cultures. That's why God moves us is because he loves the world and desires that none should come to separation and stay in separation, but that all should come to repentance. It's at this point that I want to announce to you that on the first Sunday night in November, the first Sunday night in November, we will host a one night worship service in a nearby community. We'll call it Church on the Road. We've worked on this for quite a while. Church on the Road. And on Sunday night, November the 6th, we'll move out to West Limestone High School. And on that night, we will preach, we'll teach, we'll minister, we'll worship together in hopes that God would do something new for the glory of God and the good of man in a nearby community. Now, I want to make this very clear as you're going to join us in prayer. Are we planting a church? No. Are we open to it? Absolutely. Are we planting a church? No. Are we open to God doing a new work there? Absolutely we are. The answer to that is yes. Why would we do that? Can I just be honest with you? We've had enough of a call from that community to come and help. We've had enough from that community to come and help that we are at least going to go in faith and trust the Lord for what he would do next with us, possibly to what we've seen in two other parts of the county and right here in the center of it. That's exactly why we would go, to help those who are calling for help as God leads us to do so. So, so with that, I ask you this question, what can you do? As you may have been already considering that to yourselves. Well, first thing is this, write it down right now, the date the location and commit that to prayer right now until the time that we go there. I'm serious. I'm not talking about y'all pray for it and hope you remember it. I'm talking about write it down and every single day, add this to your prayer request list for God's spirit to draw people to that place. Those who need to be strengthened or those who need a new start. The second thing I will do and, and piggybacking off of what we've talked about now for months the Give to Go offering supports efforts like these over and above all the ministry partners that we already have. It helps us accomplish new works like these if they're only for one night or maybe it's for a long time. And finally, if you live in that community, if you live near that community, if you have a vested interest there, why not pray about being a part of it? Pray about attending that one night. Pray about would God have you to be a part of a new work there if God would lead you to do so. You see, if, if you are already starting to consider this in your heart and mind, like I would love to be a part of that, as that is something that God has put on our heart and it makes sense for us. If you would like to be a part of that, here's what you need to do. After the service, don't put it off. 
talk to a pastor or a staff member and let them know that you are considering being a part of that if God were to lead you to. Amen? Over the course of Paul's ministry, Paul traveled over 10,000 miles and established 14 churches at least. And what ultimately happened, don't miss this as we're about to close, what ultimately happened and what you can see in verse 12 is that they reached Philippi, a major city in that district of Macedonia, a, a, a city within the, as a Roman colony within the Roman Empire. And from that stop, they reached into that city and then they planted the first church on the soil of Europe. God gave them a vision where a person in Macedonia was going, please come and help. God sent them there and they started a church. If you flip your Bible and the page is over, it right just a little bit, you'll find Philippians. God started a church when on the heart and mind through a vision of God, they understand the people there needed help. What we see in the scripture today is God reaches to us to reach others, to strengthen churches and to start churches in the familiar and the unfamiliar. I'll close with this illustration. Yesterday, we were like everybody else in Athens, going to a fast food restaurant to get breakfast. As only the minority make breakfast on Saturday mornings because everybody is in the drive-through line to get breakfast somewhere in the city of Athens. If you are thinking about starting a local business, for the glory of God and the good of man, make it a breakfast place that is an alternative to what we already have. As there are too few and the call is many. <laughs> we, uh, we pull into the parking lot and it's just Noel and me. And we pull into the parking lot and we are going through the uh, drive-through line. And, and then as we are just making our way into the line that is very long, there's a family, a family of about 10 that is stopped right in the middle of the, the road, like the, the lane where drive-through is. And they're just standing there, just standing there. And I pull up and I'm like, what, what is happening? Like, what are we doing? And all of a sudden, it only took me a few seconds to notice because they didn't notice me until a few seconds after that. They were all gushing over a newborn baby that one of the family members was holding. They're holding it. And they're like, Lord have mercy, this child is so cute. And I'm like, she is cute, but I got to have a bacon biscuit, okay? <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Move it along. They, uh, they, they noticed after just a few seconds as they were just, oh, my goodness, this child is so cute. They look back and they're like, oh, goodness, we got to move. And they were holding us up and others behind us. And they were holding themselves up. Don't forget that part. They were holding themselves up as they were walking into the place to eat. A few minutes later, as we're still in line, and now we're only about nine cars back, we, we are stopped again, and there's a break between the, the car that's in front and then a car that's behind, and there's like a two-car gap between them because now a person inside the car has seen a friend who walked in front of their car. Now they have the window rolled down, and they're having church right there, fellowship right there in the parking lot. Hey, so good to see you. They're laughing. Nobody's honked yet. This is where we are, right? And so finally they're like, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. And they realize that she moves on, and she moves up. In both cases, everybody there was there to eat. And in two instances, we all got distracted 
for the very reason we were there in the first place. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Let me read it to you, make it plain. We are in place, we are on location, but we are often distracted by the whole reason we're there in the first place. We are not here to bask in forgiveness. We are not here to soak up life and make sure we build a home and got land and enough in our bank account and we live to be 90 and nine. We are here for the glory of God. We are here for the good of man. We are here for the mission of God. We belong to him. We do not belong to ourselves anymore. God is still calling, still sending, and he may be sending you to a special work, but he's calling all of us to all the work. He's calling all of us to be a part of his workmanship. He's calling all of us to be a part of the good works in the community. He's calling all of us to be living proof of the change of God's spirit inside of all of us. That's why we are here. Not just to plan for retirement, but to plan for the eternity of others. That is why God has got us here, and we're to do it here, there, and everywhere. Amen? In the Scripture, as I close, back in chapter 13, Paul and Silas were sent out in verse 2, but the Scripture says right before they were sent out, don't miss this, one day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... That's part of the reason why we don't respond to a call to ministry. Because it's been a long time since we fasted over it and prayed about it. It's been a long time since we truly worship God. And that call is being delayed because we're being distracted. God calls first to himself and then he sends us to others. Let's stand to our feet. Lord, we thank you for the word. God, as it's gone over, I thank you for those children's ministry workers over there who've been patiently taking care of all of us. Lord, we ask that you bless them today, Father, for their time. Lord, we thank you for each and every one of these missionaries that are here today. God, we pray a blessing. Lord, your purposeful provision and position over their life. God, give them inroads and gospel stories to tell to strengthen the church. Lord, if they are starting a church or strengthening a church, we pray for your favor. Lord, as we desire to go to a nearby community with a one-night worship service in hopes that, God, you will do a, a new work, God, would you raise the support? Lord, would you send the people and raise up the leaders? God, we just ask for your blessing over that and pray that you give us wisdom to know to stay there and move on. But, Lord, do we understand today that the first call is a call to you. Lord, if we need change in our life, if we need to turn from ourselves and turn to you, that we would seek help this very moment, that we would walk the aisle, come to a pastor, find them, and just tell them that you need, they need help. And Lord, if you are sending us, God, if you are calling somebody to ministry today, Lord, if today is the day they need to stand and they need to seek accountability, seek the confirmation of the church, would today be the day that they would come to a pastor or decision counselor and just explore this idea of ministry in their life? God, as you are still equipping your church for that. Lord, as you've blessed our gathering already, we pray, Lord, that you bless the give to go offering so that we may continue to do a lot for your glory. God, this altar is open as your spirit is drawing people to a place of decision. Lead us now away from ourselves and to be bold to step out. God, to come and pray, to pray over people, to pray over these missionaries, to worship you at this altar. Lord, I just pray 
that our response will be genuine in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This altar is open for you. We have pastors and counselors here for you.